This is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your host, Gymnastic. You already know this. You can find me on Twitter at Gold Jacket QBs. I'm joined, as always, by the other host of this show, the guy that you see every week, regardless if I'm working or here, Connor Donald. You can find him on Twitter, which you probably already know. You're following this dude. He's pumping out massive content. It's at Connor10. We are proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter at True North FFB. YouTube, if you're checking us out right now, thank you on the TNFF Network. On the internet, check out our website, truenorthffb.com, and it's the newest platform, but it's not new anymore, new to me because I don't know how to use it. That's Instagram. It's truenorthffb. You can find the you can find the articles, the rankings, the podcast, the streams, so much more. But enough about that. We want to welcome you to week 16 of the NFL season. Now it's getting a little sticky. For those of you lucky enough to be coming off those playoff buys, welcome back. For those of you that survived the chaos of the first week of the playoffs, we salute you because whew, there were some dudders out there, man. Saw a tweet where Travis Kelsey outscored, I think it was Kamara, Godwin, Evans, Brady, and uh, I think it was DJ Moore or whatever by himself. But that's besides the point. Today, it is just me and Connor. We're talking Tuddy or Muddy, which you already know about. It's the latest boomer busts and how to fucking manage them in season-long and dynasty purposes. I go bananas, sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, giving you my favorite MKIF prop game of the Tuesday, which is tonight, because they don't have them up for Thursday night. I will post that online later. And I am rolling right now. We got back on the track. So you know this. I know this. And then we're going to wrap it up with gold and fool's gold with my man, Connor, giving you the week 16 starts and sits. But first up, what's happening, Connor? Man, not much. I am I am rocking the uh, Slim Reaper shirt, hoping for a big night from Devonta Smith tonight, hoping for a big W from the Eagles, keep them playoff hopes alive. And, of course, we're here an hour early mainly for that reason because we know that everyone's going to be watching that Tuesday night football um, but I mean, otherwise I'm just trying to survive the chaos of week 15. That was a brutal week. Who would have thought we'd be staring down Duke Johnson as the RB one this week and Amon Ross St. Brown with his performance again, some of those names up at the top. Oh boy. Oh boy. But of course, Travis Kelsey's up there, but, uh, I mean, it's gotta be a little, you gotta be a little fearful there. Jim seems to be some COVID running through the, uh, chiefs right now. Um, well, I'm not too worried about it, Connor. As you've already been knowing, all preseason, <laughs> I've been saying that I think who's going to the FC Championship game, Connor? Who have I been saying? No, Chiefs. I've never once. I've never <laughs> once said the Chiefs. I've never once. I can't even remember who you said. Since week two, I have been saying of the preseason, you are going to see Ben oh, Roethlisberger's Patriots, right? Pitts, Pittsburgh oh, the Steelers. Steelers. 
and the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship game. And it is shaping up nicely for that to happen. I also said that the Ravens are going to end up tanking their division lead, and that looks like it's going to end up happening. You watch it. Ravens will not make that playoffs. I think it's just but, shaping up in general to be anybody's ball game once the playoffs start because there's nope, still like what, 24 you. teams in the hunt for playoff spot. Ben Roethlisberger and his rematch, alarm. rematch of that Arizona Pittsburgh great Super Bowl that we saw. Ben wins it again and walks out in the sunset in his last dance, and then he's gone. Look it, and we can't wait. I I can't wait. I Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson deserve some more justice. Even Najee Harris deserves <laughs> some more justice because nobody is fooled by Ben Roethlisberger and Najee Harris sharing a backfield and Ben doing anything with it. But with that said, we in Tuddy or Muddy this week, we are going to revisit the sophomores. That is the 2020 rookie class. I broke it down by the obvious, the busts, and the ones we're going to talk about more, the not so obvious. First of all, I want to start off with the obvious, and I actually, in looking over the obvious people, I actually noticed a couple of random, a couple of people I put in there that I don't think are as obvious at this point. But first of all, obviously, Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson, I think they're pretty much RB1 and wide receiver one in Dynasty. Um, personally, myself, I'm not 100% certain I'm there with Justin Jefferson. I am there with Jonathan Taylor, though. Um, but I mean, as you can see, this offseason is probably going to be the offseason of Jefferson and Taylor for sure. I don't think there's any uh, doubt in those two. I put C.D. Lamb in here, but there's something wrong with that Dallas Cowboys offense. I don't quite know what it is. You can't really pinpoint it right now. But if you're not Tony Pollard or Ezekiel Elliott, you're not really doing much for fantasy. And there has to be some concern to what's going on with Dak Prescott in that once ex extremely powerful passing game. So that's the only if and maybe that I'm going to throw in there for C.D. Lamb. Although I think for Dynasty, he's pretty safe in the obvious column. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, pretty safe. I think they're uh, as top, likely top 12 at their position. The only other two I debated and put in the obvious was Antonio Gibson and Brandon Ayuk. Now, I know you love Brandon Ayuk, Jim, so you're you probably going to leave You just said last week that you were wrong about him. Don't be flipping I now. <laughs> I did, but I mean, as a now owner of him, I see, you know, my concerns are warranted because he's going to have good games and he's going to have bad games. He's going to have good games. He's going to have bad games. He's going to flip-flop a lot with those games because of the opportunity. Look at what George Kittle does when he's seeing 12 to 15 targets a game, making all those catches and Brandon and Debo Samuel's getting carries out of the backfield and Brandon Ayuk is getting the leftovers. Look what happens in those circumstances. That is where my concern comes into place. How boomer bust is he going to be? Is he going to be like a Marquise Brown where you can play him but half the season he's going to bust and half the season he's going to boom for you all depending on touchdowns and big plays. Or is he going to be better than, more, better than that and more dependable than that? And then, of course, the only other one was Antonio Gibson because how much is the injury impacting him this year and how much more can we expect going forward, especially if J.D. McKissick is in the picture, which he is on the IR for the next three weeks. So for Gibson owners still in the playoffs, they're probably pretty happy about that. What are your thoughts on on the obvious? Have we nailed all of them? Is there someone who doesn't deserve to be there? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, 
I get your I get your concerns with Brandon Ayuk. I do. I get them. I don't deny because, the talent. I do not. Yeah, deny I get the it. Talent. I get it. Um, he's a very talented player stuck on a team with a head coach that has been hanging his head. I think for far too long on being successful on his dad's name, but that's neither here nor there. Um, gets a little high school drama ish on the guy. Benches him, pounds tables for other running backs or for running backs, and then doesn't play them. Um, it's frustrating. I get it. I get it. And similar but not the same skill set as a Debo Samuel. So I get I get your concerns there. Um I love him though. I love him. You know, I I think you're going to see see a value spike similar to what you saw with the concerns with Deontay Johnson a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And now everybody's scrambling. Deontay Johnson's going the first one out of that trio usually. Um No, I think I think you nailed them though. I think I think they're good. Uh I would want to talk about these busts here because we got two okay. at the very top that probably interest both me and you well both of these guys actually interest me big fans of mine or i'm big fans of theirs so let, let's dive into this busts category as as you so lovely put them on there and who do you okay. got at the number one top there before Connor? we dig into the bus <laughs> breaking news Le'Veon Bell is signing with the Bucks, and Leonard Fournette is likely headed to the IR, ending his regular season and ending his fantasy season, of course, for anybody who owned Leonard Fournette and rode him for the me. entire season. So <laughs> breaking news on that. If That's you got, me. <laughs> if you have a phone and you have the sleeper app, you already know about that breaking news, but I'm just going to shout it out right now while we're on the air. Um, I'm going to be but- making some waiver claims on Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> I <laughs> just sneak in right now. Um, but the bus. Okay, first of all, I want to preface this by saying the first one is there because he was the 101. 102, maybe depending on super flex. But in the one that in the super flex one that I pulled up, he was 101, and that is Clyde Edwards Alaire. So per Rotoviz, my fantasy league. He was the 101, Clyde Edwards Alaire, high expectations. He's he was drafted. We talked about him a couple weeks ago as the he was being drafted as the RB12 last season. And clearly, my thought is he's gonna end up in that running back dead zone this offseason. I think in a startup, you're gonna see him go around where Miles Sanders and David Montgomery will go in this offseason. And that is right around RB 16 through 20, where you don't know when you want to pull the trigger on him, and you may wait too long and not get to pull the trigger on him. Whereas he was not as clear cut as what we saw this year. I know you have something to say about Clyde Edwards Alaire, which is fine. I just wanted to draw it out as you know, where people drafted him, he is a disappointment. That is why he's in the bus category solely did for he that. Did look purpose. good last week? Did, or did he look good? He's looked good in multiple weeks. Sure has. But he has not looked like a top 12 running back. <laughs> All right. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> I'll give you that. And I, somebody that I will leave unnamed in the Twitterverse actually had me switch my stance where I was like, I was trading back all my CEH shares for, for Swift. There was that huge. I'd pay the premium price for it. And then there was this whole argument of maybe you should stick with CEH this year. He's on the same team with the same coaches, same scheme, same players, same thing. DeAndre Swift, not so much. So I bought into that. And I was again fooled twice. So um, it won't happen again. I'll tell you that. If I get my hands on DeAndre Swift, there's not not going to be flipping them for CEH or anything like that. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, unbelievable. That's, it's that's just my bad on to that. me, it's the offense. The offense is offense is not predicated on a run game. There, it's predicated on the arm of Patrick Mahomes and what he can do, and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. So it's never going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire as breaking that threshold of those two. You're never going to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire as the main guy ahead of those guys. Whereas when you look at a bell cow or you look at some running back you really want on your team, the two things you look for is carries. And, of course, in PPR, you're looking for, for work through the air. Clyde Edwards-Alaire does not see a lot of work through the air. He does see the bulk of the groundwork, but the bulk of the groundwork on any given week is usually between 10 and 15 carries, which is not Derrick Henry-esque, Dalvin Cook-esque. Yep. One of those guys who's seeing 15 to 20 to 25 carries. I will agree with you on that statement. I will agree with you on that statement. He's more of like the Miles Sanders style. Agreed. Back. Agreed, 100%, because Miles Sanders is likely going to continue to land where he landed this past year in startups for that reason as well, because how much is going to continue to be shared. And what a perfect segue into our next bus, Jalen Reger. If I see another post comping Justin Jefferson and Jalen Reger, because we took Jalen Reger before Justin Jefferson, I feel like I'm going to rip my hair out, and I don't have much hair to rip out. I'll let you talk about Jalen Reger. I don't think I can give a fair, unbiased um opinion on this one because i am literally done with him especially in philadelphia so there is no way i can give you a fantasy a fair fantasy evaluation for fantasy absolutely i think he's busted but let's look at the real situations here and what he's ended up been dealing with uh with some with some Mm -hmm. personal dramas prior to the season uh apparently not having the faith of the organization in you as you draft another highly touted wide receiver in the first round i mean you know what i mean that doesn't really put the confidence i think into a young player you're still on a team that highly uses tight ends and dallas goddard even though i do realize they did ship off zach Ertz mid-season but he was there and he was taking up points and taking up targets um is there still hope for for Jalen Rager? Absolutely. Is he going to be fantasy relevant? Probably not. Probably not, man. He's and like this burns me to say I got a signed Jalen Rager jersey um, sitting in the tote downstairs, uh, just you know where it up belongs there, up there for storage, man, and safekeeping <laughs> for my daughters when they get older, right? Um, yeah, agreed. Uh, I think he's a fantastic athlete. I liked what he did in college. I thought his skill set could transition well to the NFL. Maybe it's just not the Eagles that mm. are the right team for him. I don't I don't know that, but let's just say this. I would rather have T. Higgins, and I think T. Higgins Green. is going to be more fan, more fantasy relevant with a Jamar Chase in front of him than Jalen Rager will be with a Devontae Smith. And I both like are in it. very similar situations. I like it. There are many wide receivers I would take above Jalen Rager right now. Um, But the next two, I think next here, I'll give you two that I think are obvious. Can we call Keyshawn Vaughn and Denzel Mims busts? Are we, I I understand Denzel Mims. There may be a point for debate and a point for hold one more year and see what happens. But I think it's pretty safe on Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn is a bust. You just had breaking news that they signed Le'Veon Bell. 
They don't even you trust Keyshawn Bond to be the backup <laughs> to Ronald Jones. They wanted to go out and get Lev Bell. So, so yeah, kids. that's like if I was going to argue that he wasn't a bust, you put that all away with diddly 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 deep breaking news. The fucking buck signed Le'Veon Bell. And to me, Denzel Mims, man, he's almost reminding me of Terrace Marshall in regards to I think they're lazy. I'm going to use that very generously. It doesn't feel like they want to be top NFL wide receivers. It doesn't feel like they're going to be there to help you from a fantasy perspective. But if their mentality shifts, if they're able to start to make things happen, maybe. But there's a huge asterisk beside a guy like Denzel Mims. And you can hold him, but he's now, if you're in a league with taxi squads, you're likely looking at, you have to hold him on your main roster now and hope that something comes of him. And I'm just not prepared to think that there would be any reason to keep him. Well, the problem I think with Mims is with the coaching change, he's not their guy. Had mm-hmm. a little bit of setbacks in training camp. Elijah Moore really lit on fire. And that is this coaching regime's choice was Elijah Moore. It was not Denzel and they Mims. spent so the a- money on Davis. So yeah. the, the wide receivers are going to use them. And like I said, the wide receivers that mimic what Mims does, they signed. You know what I mean? Like, I liked Mims. I liked Mims coming out. I wrote a nice piece about him when he was coming out called Mims the Word. Um, I actually had him above Van Jefferson when they were coming out. I liked Van Jefferson's skill, but I thought the opportunity was going to be more prevalent for Denzel Mims. Wow, that turned and a season which was fair at the time though because when they drafted him they didn't have a whole lot they had jameson crowder so you're like what an opportunity little did you know a year later matt stafford would be throwing balls to van jefferson and cooper cup and odell beckham and previously robert woods and doing a fine job of sustaining three wide receivers yeah even with that change though like it's unfucking fathomable to think that a second year rookie wide or second year wide receiver and van jefferson could be hanging with literally guys of robert woods and cooper cup and now odell beckham you know what i mean like he's still getting his piece he he has his and he does he does hang with them. It's it's unbelievable. Meanwhile, Denzel Mims can't even get on the active roster. With, I'm sorry to say it, man. Like, really, one wide receiver I'd be banking my 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 uh, my future on in that in that wide receiver room. Agree. Get by any. It's, now the it's, next two the ne- actually the next three i'm gonna pair them together because they're all very interesting i call them busts but maybe just maybe there's hope lavisca chanel zach moss and brian edwards zach moss to me the words of sean mcdermott ring through my ear at this moment with how they are in on singletary singletary was so good his rookie year kind of faded second year Finally, the more opportunity and more snaps he's given, he's a guy. He's a dude. They, they, they're starting to think they, they missed on Moss. They messed up with Moss. They always had the guy in house that they needed. Lavisca Chenault. I think when Travis Etienne comes into the picture, he's they, they cancel each other out. They do the same thing, 
but Travis Etienne was worth a lot more. The draft capital's there. You're going to use Travis Etienne, obviously. I think you're going to use him a lot more. And Visca has still not stepped out of the shadows despite the situation that hangs over him with Trevor Lawrence being inconsistent, Urban Meyer, et cetera, et cetera. And Brian Edwards, unfortunately, he's not going to be Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, whatever. That catch, um, hey, that catch yesterday looked fucking nice. It looked good. It looked good. <laughs> But there needs to be some major changes in Vegas. And it starts with Derek Carr is not the guy to sustain viable receiving options unless they play in the slot. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Otherwise, you don't want... And Henry Ruggs, he'll give you a game here and there. But at the end of the day, Brian Edwards is just not being utilized right. The quarterback's not be able to connect with him properly. And until something changes in regard to Derek Carr... I don't think I can trust Brian Edwards. I don't think I don't think I'm there with him. Now, if I were to rank them all in order, though, Moss needs a new home if he's going to become relevant. So he's three, Visca two, and I still would put Brian Edwards one. I would trust Edwards the most because would the opportunity is going to remain there. Is it going to remain there though, Connor? When the Raiders have a very trustworthy option in Hunter Renfield. They're going to get their number one back in Darren Waller. You don't know what the Jags are going to be like. You don't know if this new coaching staff is going to use Travis Etienne. This you don't correct. know if this new co- coaching staff likes Visca. You have no idea if DJ Chark leaves. I'd Agreed. actually put my stock more in Visca right now to see what happens in the offseason and see what happens in this coaching change because that's for sure going to happen there is for sure going to be a coaching change there might be a quarterback change in vegas you don't know there, there might is a be co- there should be a coaching change too i mean i'd be shocked if vegas goes with the interim coach as a new head coach so you have know. to assume there might be it's a change mark there. davis the guy that cuts his own hair <laughs> <laughs> um but like for for me i don't know like there seems to be a little bit more ambiguity sorry ambiguity in Visca and his future than Brian Edwards and his. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just the what major, the major pieces are staying in Vegas. You know what I mean? Waller isn't going anywhere. Renfro isn't going anywhere. It's just what sucks you, for Visca is like he hasn't proven himself capable of playing another role. He needs to be able to play the outside to be able to stand out and to be able to carve out a new role. Because if not, one of them is going to take a loss. ETN or Visca will likely take a loss next year because they do very similar things in that offense. And I just am not prepared to believe that they can both coexist without one of them being able to, to do something different. And obviously Visca needs to be the one that does something different. But I do understand the, the ambiguity of the situation because there is definitely a coaching change. There is a new regime coming in and they don't care that a first round pick was wasted on a running back. They don't care where Visca was drafted. It's going to be, show me what you can do today. And if you can help me today, you make my roster, you will be worked into my scheme and my game plan and you will be used. Otherwise you might be showing the door. Because the only person with a lot of investment in him is ETN. This guy's the only one who I believe would be showing the door because there's not as much investment in him. You don't have that fifth year option, the first round capital, the dead money built into the situation like ETN. But can we both agree Zach Moss needs to be rehomed ASAP? Yeah. So here's my other question for you. Perfect world, where would he go for you? Where you see him being fantasy relevant. Oh boy. 
my thing here is, is he a goal linebacker or is he more? In Buffalo, he looked like a good goal linebacker. Periodically, he showed you a little something more. But can he be more? If he's in the right scheme, can he be more? Can he do more? That's my question. That's something that is, is left unanswered and that my I'm just left wondering about. And I'm not 100% certain about where I'd want him to go or where I want him to end up. I think he ends up somewhere where he still has to play second fiddle to somebody. I think look at James Conner, Chase Edmonds. He needs to end up in a spot where it's going to be similar like that. He could be the James Conner on another team with a change of pace back. I think, I think James Conner is way better than him. Oh, I agree. No, I agree. I'm just saying like, you know, I'm just saying the possibility of where he can go. He's not going to go and be an RB1. As much as no. some people in the Twitter Twitterverse want it at the beginning of the year, he's not an RB1. There is no landing spot I can give you that will make him an RB1. He's. I would not draft him in my top 24, or I don't think I'd even draft him in my top 36 running backs, to be honest. That's fair. But even though <clears throat> with, as we talked about last week, the evolution of the of the running back game going to more RBBC, I mm-hmm. think there is a possibility he could find a team that uh, finds him to be fantasy relevant. Now, of those teams, listen, I, I could name you one right now. Jordan know. Jordan Howard's a free agent next year. Philadelphia needs a back like Zach Moss. I could see that. It could make Why? sense. Why? Why? I so I watched a tape on Kenneth Gainwell against the Jets. He's a receiving back, and that's it. You're not going to put him in in any other predicament. And Miles Sanders, they the the mileage, the tread on the tires. They're not. You can tell they're not 100 percent confident in Miles Sanders and putting him out there for 20, 25 times. They put him out for 25 carries against the Jets. He got hurt. Like you can't trust him. They, they, he's not Derrick Henry. He's not Dalvin. Dalvin Cook has injury issues, and I trust Dalvin Cook to Miles Sanders to have twenty-five carries a game and stay somewhat healthy. Because Miles Sanders just isn't staying healthy, and that's my issue. You need a guy to take away some of that heavy early down work, six to eight carries a game, where you take away that type of work. So that could be one, but that's the type of situation you need Zach Moss in. Uh, being an RB2 with RB1 upside if somebody gets injured. Fair enough. Fair enough. We do have a question, though, so let's pull this up. Yeah, we do. OBJ or Van Jefferson tonight? Man, I Uh, love Van Jefferson. I love Van Jefferson. I I feel like I can't help but say Van Jefferson. Well, do you want me to just go into one one of my bananas right now real quick? Let's do it. Go bananas. Go, do you have two? Are you, are you doing both games tonight? Yeah, yeah. This one is the one I want. The other one's a bonus. Um, <laughs> because this is the game that I think is going to be. All right, going bananas. 1.0 sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Give it to us, 1.0. So I got for one and a half tutties tonight. You got no Tyler Lockett. You got no Alex Collins. But you do have. Van Jefferson scoring one. You got Cooper Cup scoring one. And you might have Gerald Everett on Seattle scoring one for that absent Tyler Lockett. That's my going bananas for this one. 1.5 tutties. Let's get dancing. We're going Van Man. We're going Cooper Cup. We're going Gerald Everett. So to answer your question, Angie, I'd be rolling my man Van all the way down to the river. 
And I like Van Jefferson's big playability. You're not getting a 50, 60, 70 year play. You become fantasy relevant with. You're not getting that out of OBJ, but you might get it in the touches because OBJ may see more target, more catchable targets. Whereas Van Jefferson seeing the deep ball. So there is risk, you know, with the drops. There's risk. You, you see Van Jefferson. He gets the nine to 10 targets, but he makes four catches. OBJ gets the nine targets. Tonight. He makes seven catches. I think he has four for 96 and a tutty. I like it. I love it, my friend. Hopefully we helped you out there, Angie. And that's a perfect segue into the not-so-obvious section and portion of this. Van Jefferson was one of them who I had a hard time not making the obvious. The only thing that's not so obvious about him is, like, is he always going to be number three? Is he always going to be that third option? They want to re-sign OBJ. Is he going to play, like, fourth fiddle to Woods Cup and OBJ next year? Like, that would just break my heart. The guy has so much skill, so much talent. I hope he gets his opportunity. I hope they're seeing that they don't need to bring OBJ back personally from, from the Van Jefferson standpoint for me. So who are you buying then, Ben? That's who you're buying? I like I like that. I'm talking not so obvious the entire section. I'm not buying Van Jefferson. I'm actually if if I'm talking my buy, I didn't even mention him in the page. It's Gabriel Davis. Woo, baby. He can still probably be head cheap. That's the best part about it. That's you, right, because people you also don't wrote, realize about Sanders leaving next year. If you go deep into the archives of the True North Fantasy Football Network, you will find a piece by Gymnastic on that man, Gabriel Davis, as well. How far, or is it, how high he can fly? Yep. That was Gabe another Davis. piece. But, like, yeah, exactly. And me and Coach Craig, who I love, we were going back and forth in the chat, and he said Buddy Manuel Sanders was brought in as the veteran presence to, you know, to help Gabriel Davis, to teach Gabriel Davis. Yes, but he also took away a major part of his game, the the long game, the average depth yeah, of target, the deep targets. He went, from having, think... he went from having one deep target per game last season. He's at half a deep target right now. But what I do think that coach was – I don't think coach was really arguing with you on that. No, no, he definitely was I think what, no. what coach was saying is like, yeah, you can get him cheap. People don't realize that Sanders is gone soon. Mm -hmm. And if Sanders did his job and they let him go, that means Gabriel Davis has developed to the point that they feel comfortable with him to let Sanders walk out that door and improved his game. And if I, so, was, if I was a Dawson Knox owner, I'd be worried. Because Gabe Davis is eating a portion of his game that he essentially needs. Gabe Davis doesn't need the red zone targets. They're bonus points if he can get that average depth of target up and that big play game back again. Absolutely. Absolutely. He That's a sneaky buy, Connor. And that is a good one that a lot of people have probably been forgetting about. That How about you? Sure. Who do you have as a buy? On this list? Obviously, it's my guy, Michael Pittman Jr. The dude is fucking lighting the league on fire uh, from his rookie year being labeled as almost a bust to now his sophomore season lighting it up with Carson Wentz, going for multiple touchdowns on multiple occasions, always seeming to lag in your fantasy teams, except for this week where he got ejected, especially on my teams after giving me a whopping 1.2 points in week 15. Um, no, you could not. Don't <laughs> As, worry, I got that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so besides the last week where he let his emotions get the best of him and be ejected from that game, uh, no, Michael Pittman is a guy that I am all about buying. Um, I guess I should probably say, so the not-so-obvious list, the ones that we still have questions on, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Jerry Judy, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Van Jefferson. I'm also very intrigued by J.K. Dobbins. I think I may, I posted a tweet about him the other day. The fact that Devontae Freeman is getting used the way he is. Devontae Freeman has been used on, I think, I can't remember the mark I put. I think 56% of snaps in six of the last seven weeks. J.K. Dobbins was used on 56% of snaps only five times last season. That's how criminally underused he was. And if somebody wanted a 2022 first for J.K. Dobbins, I would pull that trigger all day, every day. I don't think you're getting a better back with a better opportunity than J.K. Dobbins. So that would be another sneaky buy that can probably be had for a bit cheaper than people think. Absolutely. I like that one. Um, Who's the guy that you're actually selling on there on the bust or not so obvious list there, Connor? selling 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 ah it pains me but i think i'm going jalen hurts i think i'd have to sell jalen hurts the the investment that people put into him and the fate that the eagles clearly don't have even if he gets dealt somewhere there's no guarantees he could be a perennial backup he could be a gardner Minshew for all we know just a guy Who's gonna who can be moved around but may not actually be a starter somewhere? But maybe it's the opportunity, maybe it's where he is. But at this point, there's so many major question marks. And look at it. When the Eagles have been a good football team, he's been bad for fantasy. When the Eagles have been a bad football team, he's been great for fantasy, which is a really bad mix. So I think it would be Jalen Hurts. What about you? Well, I'm going to go with a guy here that I think I can actually get value from, and uh, that's 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 Jerry Judy would be the guy that that I'm getting out from under. Um, I still think he has a lot of value attached to his name. I'm not 100 percent sure he's going to be in Denver next year. Um, that's just my my intuitions there. I think they can end up swinging a trade to get a quarterback. Um, and there's one in there that I think they probably will swing the trade for because they have locked up both of the wide receivers. They have locked up um, the running back in through draft. They have a guy who I don't think they're going to let go in Melvin Gordon. Pieces are coming together for him. The odd mm-hmm. man out I think is going to end up being Jerry Judy if they do end up making that uh, quarterback splash. And if they don't make that quarterback splash, that's even more concerning for his fantasy value as I don't think that he will be fantasy relevant with a quarterback and the likes of – Drew Locke style. So while he still Mm -hmm. holds value, that's the guy I'm trying to get out from under right now. Yeah, because I tweeted about him yesterday as well. Um, And the stat that I found is he's been playing the third most behind Tim Patrick and behind Cortland Sutton every week this year when they've been active together. He's been playing behind them in snap count which is super concerning. He is seeing a good hog rate. He is probably seeing a lot more targets per route, per, per snap than some of these other guys, but there's not enough being done with them. And why is he getting 60% of snaps when a guy like Tim Patrick's getting in the 80s and Cortland Sutton in the 80s and the 70s? 
Why is he in the 50s and the 60s? Why is he not up there? What is it about this scheme that has Judy not in that game as much more than Tim Patrick, as much or more than Tim Patrick? Maybe Tim Patrick's just good. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we all just picked the wrong second wide receiver in, in Denver in the offseason. Second? Whew. I thought Judy was the one. I thought Sutton was the number two there, as I was been led to believe by so many, so many people. It felt that way, did it not? It sure did. But Jim, but that is but, the reason why you can fucking sell him. <laughs> agreed, because there are people who are still really high on Judy and who think that they, there's an opportunity to be had there, and they'll try and buy him from you, and you can probably still get a decent share out of him. But moving onward and upward to um, our Gone Bananas 2.0, but first. A word from our sponsors of Reverie and Global. Yep, yep. Here at the Gold Jacket Podcast, we take family very seriously. We know that family doesn't always stop at the bloodline. It's a word that ensures trust. It's a word that, well, around here, means that I know that I can count on you to have my back. Viridian Global is family. A family of the Fantasy Collective. And that is the exact reason Viridian Global will have your back. And I don't just mean literally covering your back in the best apparel they can possibly outfit you in. I mean at every step of the way, from finding the brand that fits you best to tracking your order to making sure you are fully satisfied at every step. With over 50 brands a part of the Fantasy Football Collective family, what are you waiting for? Join the family now. VeridianGlobal.com Love it. And onward and upward to... We love Viridian Global. Yes, we do. Onward and upward to the uh, 2.0 going bananas aspect of the show. Make sure to follow them at MKF on Twitter. MonkeyNightBite.com is where you sign up and you use that promo code TNFF for a 100% deposit match up to $100. And you can go bananas with Jim. Yeah, that's right. And uh, for the 2.0, I am not really feeling that comfortable in this game. It is the Washington football team versus the Philadelphia Eagles. But you want to get those uh, games placed in there in the next 15 minutes because it's going to be closing up soon. So we got one and a half tutties because I don't got big balls, Connor. I don't want those. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have have big Uh, ones either, especially in this matchup. But but I was a little iffy on Terry McClure, and I heard he might not make it due to the concussion protocol. He's playing. Who did I tell you about already? That was one of the reasons why I'm not big on Jalen Rager. Dallas Goddard. Well, who's the last guy that I'm going to be throwing in this touchdown dance? It's Miles Sanders. That's the guy. Connor, we kind of went back and forth a little bit. You uh, think maybe I should maybe go with the other running back there and Jordan Howard. I think it's a toss-up, man. I think uh, you know Sanders is their guy. Sanders is their back. Howard is just a fail-safe option for them. So I think the guy that's going to get the chance first is going to be Miles Sanders. But I also do think that you could probably win that alone on Dallas Goddard. But Agreed. that's neither here nor there. That's why I have no big balls. I don't want to go for two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> one and a half is good. Um, yeah, but just good. in case... You know, he may hit both of these. And if you want to get involved, if you are checking this episode out in its audio form, don't worry. The 3.0 version can be found on Twitter when he posts the audio Thursday morning. 
So be checking, be looking for 3.0 this week. And I'm sure he's going to be doing a lot more this week because then we got Saturday and we got Sunday and we got Monday football again. And after that, so we got plenty of football still to go. Yeah, we sure do. Love it, we love it. sure do. Moving into the gold and the fool's gold section of the show. I want to preface this obviously by saying you've got this far on likely the backs of your studs and your stars. So if I say sit one of your stars, you, I would be fine if you gave me the finger and started them anyways, because... <laughs> I feel like that is where you got here for a reason, but I got to give the fair warning about certain names that I wouldn't be doing myself justice in this uh, Gold or Fool's Gold sponsored by Trophy Smack if I didn't give you some names to be cautious with. Um, But first of all, a word on Trophy Smack. Make sure your fantasy league champion feels well-respected and like a real-world champion with Trophy Smack. Sure, a virtual sleeper trophy is cool and the money you win feels good in your wallet, but with over 1,000 customizable trophy combinations, championship belts, and rings to choose from, you can commemorate your league's champion in style. Use the promo code TNFF with your purchase and receive a free championship ring. That's trophysmack.com and promo code TNFF at checkout. And just a shout out to Trophy Smack. They had a wicked championship belt at the uh, Jimmy Fallon LA Bowl game there the other night. If any of you didn't get the chance to check it out, you should definitely check it out. They are one of the sponsors of that bowl game, uh, college football game, bowl game. And it was pretty cool. Really cool belt. Um, Quarterbacks, gold. This one's a tough one. I know it's going to be a tough one for people to swallow, but I got Russell Wilson against the Chicago Bears. Wilson has been tough to trust this year, especially come playoff time in recent years. But the Bears' defense, they've been okay, but are fourth worst against quarterbacks in the last five weeks. They gave up 30-plus to Rodgers and Murray, while unsurprisingly Huntley, Goff, and Cousins sucked. Wilson's Wilson fits nicely between the good and the bad and should supply top 10 upside in this matchup against a team who's allowed four straight multi-touchdown weeks to quarterbacks. And I also think that Lockett should be back into the picture next week as well, which will definitely help. Fool's goal, Taysom Hill against Miami Dolphins. Hill and the Saints offense have been rather polarizing over the last few weeks. Hill had two top five showings right off the bat after being named the starter before running into problems against Tampa last week. The Dolphins defense has improved ranking fifth over the last five weeks against fantasy quarterbacks since week eight, where Allen had his 32 point helpers. Only one of the last six quarterbacks faced has even achieved 20 points against the Dolphins. They've only allowed one quarterback to surpass 50 yards rushing on the year as well. So that is something to worry about because obviously Taysom Hill relies almost solely on his feet or largely on his feet to get those fantasy points for you. Running back, David Montgomery is my gold against the Seattle Seahawks. Montgomery has seen a monster workload, pretty much the only back being used in Chicago at all. Five of 10 weeks, he's produced 12 plus PPR points and six RB2 performances. Six games at over 15 carries and three straight five reception games. The Seahawks are fifth worst against a running back over the last five weeks, including allowing the most receiving yards to running backs in that time. The only team allowing over 300 receiving yards to running backs in that time frame. They're riding a nine straight week of likely uh, nine straight weeks of 
likely 10 after tonight, of allowing a team's lead running back to put up at least 12 fantasy points, with five of those backs putting up 20. Fool's gold? Funny, funny that the signing happened as I was putting this guy's fool's gold. Ronald Jones against Carolina. Lenny is out, so the knee-jerk reaction is RJ for the start. I love Ronald Jones, but Carolina's defense has been good. And Chase Vernon pointed out, Leonard Fournette has produced almost 50% of his points through the air, something Jones does not do very well. Capping his upside majorly. Probably one of the big reasons Lev Bell got signed as well. In the last eight games, three running backs have managed over 15 points with none reaching 20 in that time against Carolina Panthers. They are especially strong through the air against running backs. Not a great matchup significant expectations and a brand new signing in Lev Bell feels like a recipe for disaster for Ronald Jones wide receivers gold this week ASB the son god Amon Ross St. Brown against the Atlanta Falcons special shout out to Josh Reynolds as well because this kind of attributes to him as well ASB is currently the wide receiver five this week and should end up with his second top 10 performance in the last three weeks. He's produced 15 plus points in three straight weeks, thanks to three straight eight reception games, over 11 targets and two touchdowns in that same time frame. He's the Lions wide receiver one and clearly Goff's favorite target since TJ Hawkinson went down and with DeAndre Swift out of the picture as well. He can be a playoff winner with Atlanta and the Seahawks still to go. Since their bye, that's nine games. The Falcons have allowed six leading teams wide receivers to score at least 15 points, including three straight weeks of a team having two wide receivers score 10 plus. This is where Josh Reynolds comes into potential flex territory. In the last five weeks, they ranked second worst against wide receivers and are one of five teams, allowing 40 plus points on average to the position. Fool's gold, Christian Kirk. Don't look now. Kirk delivered a massive showing in the absence of Hopkins this past week. He's currently the wide receiver four on the week. Surprise, the Colts have actually been very stout against wide receivers and much improved overall on defense in the last five weeks. It's been six weeks since the Colts gave up a 100-yard receiver, and the boom games that they've had this week in, over those six weeks have included multi-touchdown efforts from Elijah Moore and Stephon Diggs. I don't trust Kirk. The Cardinals offense is regressing and the Colts defense is progressing. So off a recipe, not so great for Christian Kirk. Tight ends, I got a couple for you because my main gold is Brevin Jordan with an asterisk of if healthy against the LA Chargers. Jordan was active Sunday, but didn't play a snap due to a hand injury that he is suffering through that made him limited at practice all last week. His targets and snaps were seeing an uptick prior to this, and he leads Texans tight ends with three touchdowns on the season. The Chargers have allowed 12 touchdowns to the tight end this season, including the most over the last five weeks, five total. Mills needs targets, and Jordan was becoming a favorite. Hopefully he logs better practices and gets back into the game this week. Um, some bonus ones. If he's not healthy, Josiah DeGuerra of the, uh, Green Bay Packers has the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns in five of their last seven games have allowed a tight end to score 13 plus points. Kyle Pitts is my other one. If Brevin Jordan is not healthy and you won't hear me say this 
much about Pitts this season. He gets the Detroit Lions. Detroit has allowed the most receptions to tight ends over the last five weeks. So obviously Kyle Pitts is a good opportunity to see a ton of targets and is a safe bet to throw into your lineup. Finally, Fool's gold at the tight end position, Hunter Henry against the Buffalo Bills. Only two tight ends have managed more than 12 points against the Bills this season. The last time that happened, week five, Travis Kelsey. Only two have even achieved 10 points since Kelsey in week five. Henry has six games over 10 points. All of them involved him scoring at least one touchdown. Buffalo? They've allowed one touchdown to a tight end over the last nine weeks and only three total on the season. You're playing with fire if you're playing Hunter Henry and relying on him this week in your matchup. That's my Golden Fool's Gold. Jim, you got anything to add? I hate you when it comes to Hunter Henry. <laughs> I have him uh, in a tight end premium league, and I need him. Bad. I'm I sorry. I look, I look at the analytics. I look at the stats. I look at what they rely on, and, man, he clearly relies on touchdowns. And the Bills clearly don't give it. Yeah, he does rely on touchdowns. And Mac Jones looks his way when it comes to that. But the la- And it's hard to play off the last game because it was a complete freak weather bowl. And oh, yeah, absolutely. it was a, a D- Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson show. So this is going to be a different game because hopefully the weather is a little bit better for them. Well, yeah, he better throw more than three. <laughs> <laughs> But that is it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. We are giving you uh, 10, 15 minutes probably before kickoff to get yourself prepared, get yourself comfortable, get your drinks, get your snacks. We got a two games on the slate for tonight. The Seahawks and the Rams, the Eagles and the football team both kicking off at probably 8.05. But thank you for listening watching and supporting make sure you rate review like or subscribe wherever you're listening especially subscribe to the tnff network on youtube so you never miss the content the sons of dfs the true north the ogs of true north fantasy football and of course the point after as well um Thanks to our incredible sponsors, of course, Monkey Knife Fight, Trophy Smack, and Viridian Global. We could not do this without you guys. We love you so much. Follow Jim at Gold Jacket QBs on Twitter. Follow myself at Connor10TEN on Twitter. And of course, right above Jim's head is where you can find the True North Fantasy Football crew, TrueNorthFFB.com at TrueNorthFFB on Twitter. And of course, TNFF Network on YouTube. Go hit subscribe. Thank you for checking us out. And for now, That's it. We're going to see you all next Tuesday.